Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. Help TVO create a better world through the power of learning. Visit TVO.org and make a tax-deductible donation today. She was once a great believer in the promise of social media. She is all too aware of how authoritarian politicians, including in her home country, the Philippines, harness technology to sow hate, fear, and disinformation that can ultimately undermine democracy. Nobel Peace Prize laureate Maria Ressa is co-founder and CEO of the online news platform Rappler. And her new book, How to Stand Up to a Dictator, The Fight for Our Future, offers sage insights for all of us. And Maria Ressa joins us now here in our studio. It is such a pleasure to meet you. I've seen you speak many times in the past, but what a pleasure to have you here in our studio. Thank, Thank you. you for having me. I'm going to start with a map here. Sheldon, you want to bring this up? You know this all too well. This is the state of democracy today in the world. This is a new report from the independent Varieties of Democracy Institute. That's out of the University of Gothenburg in Sweden. And it shows 72% of the world's population, that's 5.7 billion people, now live under autocracies. And that is a 46% increase from just a decade ago. The worst decline is happening in the Asia-Pacific region, where it's reached 1978 levels. In other words, more than 35 years of global democratic advances have been erased in the last decade. Maria Ressa, what is killing democracy in your view? Well, I mean, for me, the, the, the fire that set the kindling on fire is technology. And the after-technology platforms took over the distribution of information, of news. We saw um, a, a, an overemphasis on profit at all costs. There was an abdication of responsibility of the public sphere. That kind of advertising marketing system, which was the way it was originally set up, was exploited by geopolitical power. We are electing illiberal leaders democracy globally. If we don't take the right steps forward, if we don't fix the corruption of our information ecosystem, this is going to continue accelerating and, and really D-Day is 2024. Because? Because between now and then, there will be 90 elections globally. Right? We don't have integrity of facts. A 2018 MIT study said that lies spread six times faster than facts on social media. Hmm. You know, you add fear, anger, hate, and you will spread even faster. That's the incentive structure. So the incentive structure is upside down. The new gatekeepers have said, lie. I'll reward you. Keep lying. I'll keep rewarding you. What kind of, if you were doing that to a child, what kind of adult does that person become? Well, now we're seeing we're in the upside down. And while everything is deceptively familiar, the incentive structure rewards the lies, rewards hate. This is part of what has led to 72% of the world under authoritarian rule. This is not a new phenomenon, though, because I, I can't remember who said it, but there's this famous quote about a lie can get all the way around the world before the truth has a chance to put its pants on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's different? Social media has made it different in what way? The pace. The speed. It's exponential. Yeah. It's the pace and the, and the quantity. 
right? So big data, just moving to big data from an Excel sheet to big data. And I think we don't quite fathom that, right? Big data allows, for example, uh, in the case, in my case, 98 messages per hour to pound me to silence. Mm. There are information has not just been corrupted, it's been weaponized. And for those free speech advocates, we are free speech advocates, mm -hmm. but we are also gatekeepers with a set of standards and ethics. Without these, when information is weaponized, when it's used to take your narrative out and replace it, it's, it's how democracy begins to die and has died. That word gatekeepers has become a bit of a swear word in Canada, I have to say. The, the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada today uses it very effectively, I should add, as a, as a pejorative thing. He says, enough of the gatekeepers. Uh, you gatekeepers are the people who are keeping too many Canadians down, and not everybody's getting a chance to participate in democracy adequately because of that. Does he have a point? No. <laughs> no because, look... Um, there's something, regardless of whatever opinion you have, there's a set of facts. And what's happened is when lies spread faster than facts, uh, you, you begin, there are no facts. You say a lie a million times, it becomes a fact, right? So the three sentences I've said over and over since, the, in the no, including in the Nobel lectures, if without facts, you can't have truth. Without truth, you can't have trust. Without these three, we have no shared reality. We can't begin to solve a problem. We can't have a conversation. You can't deal with climate change. You cannot have democracy. Why are gatekeepers important? Because... When we were in charge, news organizations were in charge of the public sphere, you were legally liable for that. We were governed by a set of standards and ethics that our public can see, that our public can hold us accountable. When tech took over that role, um, took, they took the money, they yeah. took the business model, but at the same time, they abdicated responsibility for protecting us. Uh, you know, the Cambridge Analytica whistleblower, Chris Wiley, actually pointed out that the toaster in your home has more regulations governing it <laughs> than, this, than this. This device that you're carrying. Which is yes. actually manipulating your emotions, ultimately your mind, ultimately your yeah. vote. Well, let's talk about your home country because we have often heard social media disinformation. Essentially, the Philippines is like the canary in the coal mine when it comes to that. Explain what that, what that looks like to you. It's really interesting. Part of it is we were first adapters to the tech, right? I mean, look, I, I drank the Kool-Aid in 2011 when I saw the Arab Spring. Mm -hmm. I was... We set up Rappler in 2012. I thought technology could help jumpstart development. But by 2014, so it was only a year or so, Arab Spring became the Arab Winter. And, uh, and we continued to grow, but we couldn't, we couldn't have fathomed what happened in 2016. So the two biggest stories of my career have been attacks against America tested in the Philippines, hmm. attacks against the West. Um, the first was uh, in 1995 when um, these terrorists came in. They had a plot to hijack planes and crash them into buildings. And when 9-11 happened, I remembered the interrogation report I had from probably the first pilot recruited by al-Qaeda. He was then in a, in a prison, a high-security prison in the United States. They talked about, this is in a 1995 interrogation document that I had, plot to hijack planes and crash them into buildings and named the targets, mm -hmm. the World Trade Center, um, the Transamerica building, the Pentagon. Pentagon. There were other yeah. things there, right? 
The second time is this, the information warfare that is now, that has now become molecular at a democracy level, that is targeting individuals in a democracy. Um, we began to see it in 2016. I was shocked that it could be used this way, but um, Russian disinformation, you know, the former KGB chair, Yuri Andropov said that disinformatia is like cocaine. You take it once or twice, you're okay. But if you take it all the time, you become a changed person. We are changed people. And the enabler for the rise of autocracy, as you've seen in that map, the enabler is technology, the social media. We are electing these illiberal leaders democratically, and they are crushing institutions from within their own countries, but they're not staying in their countries. They're also allying with each other in new global alliances like Belarus and Russia. Okay. Let me give the flip side just for the Please. heck of it, which is to say Black Lives Matter, the Arab Spring, uh, the democratization efforts happening in Iran could not happen without a vibrant social media sphere. Is yes. that fair to say as well? Fair to say, but Black Lives Matter, these very same things were weaponized. Were, so what did Russian disinformation do in the United States? Identity politics. They hit both sides of Black Lives Matter. And, you know, I feel sorry for anyone in government today trying to lead because these fissures have been split wide open yeah. and we don't listen anymore. Right? In a world that's completely, that is extremely nuanced, where we need to take surgical moves, how do you do this when your population is being insidiously manipulated? So Duterte in your country was really one of the masters at doing this, right? He was one of the best. What other illiberal leaders do you look at around the world to say, today and say they're using the same playbook? Well, I'll say, you know, what we've seen in the Philippines is that the Duterte and Marcos disinformation networks were working together. And part of the reason you have a Marcos Jr. today, the only son and namesake back in power, wins overwhelmingly on the vote is because the disinformation began in 2014, not coincidentally, the same time that the meta-narrative for the annexation of Crimea that was later used by Putin to actually invade Ukraine itself. This is when they were all seeded, right? You see the meta-narrative. That's when our history began to change in front of our eyes. Um, so back to the Philippines. <laughs> um, look, I think that part of what we're struggling with is um, we had weak institutions, endemic corruption, and what we saw with social media was, you know, in, in the book I talk about uh, how the recommendation engine of Facebook splintered our reality. You would, in the West you call it echo chambers, but, you know, in 2016 when Duterte was elected, and he's not the mastermind of this, right? This is, these are people around him, but if you were pro-Duterte, you move further right. If you were anti-Duterte, you move further left. And that is because the recommendation engine was using friends of friends. Hmm. They were recommending friends of friends. So that's, that divides. And then the recommendation engine for content polarizes. I, you know, we've, we were, I mean, I did a lot of the terrorism, the radicalization it takes two weeks. So when you're fed this stuff, um, it, it moves quickly. The center cannot hold. Yates, yes. As the expression goes. Uh, okay, you know, Facebook. I do want to talk to you about Facebook because I know you're not a fan. You've called it the greatest, one of the gravest threats to our democracy. And yet I suspect when a lot of people think about Facebook, they're thinking about pictures of cats and family and all of this kind of thing. And they're wondering, 
Maria, how can this be such a grave threat to our democracy? I think you'll see that would have changed, right? Most people start getting, started getting off because it's of something I call the toxic sludge, right? Um, what gets you the widest distribution? And it's not just Facebook. I'll look at YouTube and the, the clustering algorithms that recommend content to you. A recent study actually showed that Jair Bolsonaro was a far-right fringe figure, but the clustering algorithm that put his supporters together with every conspiracy theories created a support group that in the real world would never have met, but that buoyed him to the presidency and ultimately led to the violence that was January 8th, clustering algorithms, right? So... Um, Facebook, I think more and more people are beginning to understand the problem. Because let me be optimistic because I sound so negative on this. <laughs> the good thing is that technology has shown us that people all over the world, regardless of language, culture, or nations, are fundamentally the same. They want the we're, same things in life. And we're being manipulated by the same technology. Hmm. I mean, literally, right? Our biology has been used against us to change the way we think and ultimately the way we act. If you don't have integrity of facts, you cannot have integrity of the vote. This is why the cascading failures go to how we are governed, go to the structures we set up in the real world. Do you take any satisfaction from the news that Zuckerberg has just laid off tens of thousands of people at his company and that fewer people may be on Facebook today as a result? I, you know, I would love for him to be enlightened, him, Elon Musk, any of the big tech CEOs to, to actually say, you know, we see the damage that's being done. We're going to be reliable gatekeepers. We're going to take these, make these difficult decisions. The decisions you and I make as a journalist because you are accountable and we're accountable to the public and we want to help democracy grow, right? So, no, I... I they're going through what we have gone through. Um, but that doesn't mean a solution will be found. We need to stop the corruption. We need to stop the lies. Otherwise, you know, I think I talk about the information ecosystem as a river. It's polluted. It's polluted with lies. If you're on any social media platform, everything you post is, is pulled together by machine learning to create a model of you that knows you better than you know yourself, has all your relationships, right? Then AI comes in and takes all of our models, and this is the motherload database. That's upstream. Change the word model and use the word clone, right? So this is our clone, our weaknesses sold to the highest bidder. That's what micro-targeting is. And then what we're doing is we're saying, for the people who think content moderation, let me take some of this polluted water, you drop the pill to clean up the water, and then you throw it back in. It's mm. going to take us a while, but we need to stop the factory of lies. Are you as concerned about TikTok, which, of course, increasing numbers of Western governments are, I know, I mean, we work for the province of Ontario. We were told to take it off. We can't have TikTok on here anymore. You got it on yours anymore? I never was on it. You never put it on. Because if Facebook is a blunt mallet, TikTok is a surgical probe. The less options you have, the less choice you have, uh, and you just keep scrolling, um, the more control this has on you. So, you know, and of course then the link to, can a private company in China actually say no to the Chinese government? A, a wonderful question, a great question. 
I want to talk to you about trust. And you talked about gatekeepers, and the sad reality is, while you and I both think that we do work that is important and require, you know, we would like the public to buy in, and we think that we, what we do is empirically based and, in fact, and is worthy of trust. I'm looking at numbers in Canada here. This is a 2022 Reuters report. Trust in Canadian media has dropped 13 percent in the last seven years. It now is at just 42 percent. 42 percent. How much of that loss of trust is because we're just not very good anymore at what we should be doing? No, I, I think you're actually, that's still pretty solid compared to the rest of the world, right? So Canada, hold the line, you know, but part of that is why? Because your mm. penetration rate for social media is now at 87%, mm. right? Uh, look, you, you said, you know, we should get rid of the gatekeepers. Let's get rid of traffic lights. I, I, I well, didn't say we should. Yeah, I know. The I prime said, minister. I, I'm not a, the guy who wants to be prime minister. Wants to be prime minister. He's the opposition leader oh, right now. Oh, my gosh. Oh, he's a populist. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes, because social media helps him. Yes. Right? And he's so, very good on it. And again, what, this, what are the incentive structures of social media? You go right back to this, right? So the question that I have is, if you take away all the traffic lights, what happens? Chaos. Accidents. Chaos. These laws are in place. Facts are there to anchor us. But if you don't have facts, you cannot have rule of law, right? So I guess, you know, I live in a country where populists won. And we had, um, the, the reason I wrote the book is because you can replace dictator with bully. You know, we live in a world where rule of law should be stopping the bully, should be protecting the weak the silent should be should have the checks and balances against the dictator right so what does a more trustworthy journalism look like in this era where you're fighting lies 24/7 so again i think i think this is really given everything else that's there right so the first thing is the distribution on social media since you you're now up at 87% mm-hmm. that incentive structure actually commodifies news and and incentivizes really bad journalism, right? If you're doing investigative journalism, in-depth conversations that you have, uh, you're not gonna get the widest distribution on social media. That's the first thing, right? So what will reach people? Kind of like crappy things, you know? Um, So that's the first. And then the other part is what else will reach people? Things that make them, it's an outrage economy. We have standards and ethics. We do not insidiously manipulate it. We have, a profession that, you know, if you're doing television, you learn to tell the story. You, it's the micro-macro. We spend our careers doing that, but we're not going to lie to you. We're not going to manipulate you in the way some do and are allowed to do on social media. We're not going to lie to you, but you can't help but watch cable television in the United States. And thankfully, we don't have it here in Canada. We have pretty straight-ahead cable television channels here. But, still. But f- still, yes, still. yes. Fox News is just in a different business from the rest of us. I think that's fair to say. But MSNBC uh, has its days where it looks like it's in the tank for the Democratic Party. Where's the way out of all of this? It looks like it, it just looks like a respect for empirically provable facts is not that important to too many people anymore. No, I think these are cascading failures of mm-hmm. that first incentive structure that was turned upside down. If you spread lies faster than facts, mm-hmm then journalists have no recourse here, right? Like, and I know this because, because this uh, uh, social media was used to attack 
me and Rappler. Yeah. You know, it is both a curse and a blessing that I was getting 90 hate messages per hour. What's the blessing? The blessing is I saw all the data. And I began to look at it as data, not as content. And I stood on firm ground when I realized that this was meant to pound me to silence. It was replacing a meta-narrative of journalists as gatekeepers with journalists or criminals, right? You could see this. You could see this in the data. So I think that's the first step. But look, journalism is not going to survive if the incentive structure for distribution of content are lies. So the question is more to our audience. Can you live in a world where lies are what you're going to get? So we have to put it back on on the public. I think we need to keep doing what we're doing, Mm -hmm. right? We need to keep holding the line, and and that means there are greater sacrifices. These same technology companies have crumbled our business model. Advertising is dead. Because who would advertise for print or or TV where you Mm -hmm. see it one time versus micro-targeting at a molecular level, right? The ROIs are far better on technology, cheaper Mm -hmm. as well. But you are killing the group that has been set up to try to hold power to account. So we do have to, we do have to say to members of the public, you are in this with us. You yes. are partially responsible as well. Not just partially. You're, you're very much responsible. Yes, you got to make absolutely. better. You got to make good choices. Well, the other part is that it, our, our journalism is not only commodified; it is also, uh, what's the right way to, to phrase this? Um, when you cater to the lowest common denominator, mm. the when I talk about this in the Nobel lecture, it's toxic sludge. Mm. When you cater, when popularity becomes mob rule. This is where social media is, right? So, so we weather the attacks online. We've been attacked by information operations. Journalists are the first attacked in almost every country you look at. You ask me where I look. I look at Brazil. I look at Turkey. I look at Hungary. I look at India. I look at the United States. You know, there was a period of time when the Philippines was far more civilized than the United States. This is leading up to their midterm elections, mm. right? The division. Why? You are targeted. You have New Zealand. I look at the five eyes. You know what we used to call it, the five eyes. You are. Mm-hmm. And women are attacked. In 2017, in the Philippines, we had the data for this. Women are attacked at least 10 times more than men. Mm. Right? Because the goal is to take you out at the molecular level, at the individual level. And these tech companies are enabling this geopolitical manipulation Mm. at scale. Generally on this program, we don't ask personal questions. We keep it all very much on on the content. But you're Maria Ressa, and uh, you're a big deal. And I can't have you in that chair without asking you how you are attempting to deal with the notion that you've got trumped up charges against you back in the Philippines and can you go can you go home again and be safe what do you think it, all of these attacks began in 2016 right so it's been many years and there was a period of time when my lawyers thought i was foolish and i kept going back i mean i've had look I feel like you know, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're in Silicon Valley, you know that 99% of startups fail. Yep. That 1% has to go through the valley of death. I feel like Philippine democracy has gone through the valley of death, despite the fact that we have a Marcos back as president, mm. right? And, and, and in my case, 
holding the line, doing the right thing, has been the right thing because I've watched the charges against me go from, you know, 14 investigations in 2017, 10 arrest warrants in 2019, Mm. you know, a little bit over. um, It went from 103 years in prison to just last January, I had four criminal tax evasion charges thrown out. Both Rappler and I were acquitted. It took four years and two months, but that decision actually said, you know, these cases should never even have made it to court. Hmm. But four years and two months, but, you know, we're coming out of it. You're coming out of it, but you still face a lifetime in jail. And I actually have to go all the way to the Supreme Court to ask for permission to travel, Hmm. to be here. It's no longer a lifetime. Now we're down to maybe a decade. (laughs) You're laughing about (laughs) it. you know, it's That's progress? Like, it's a little bit like gallows humor, you know? It yeah. is what it is. It's yeah. like pollution. God, you know, it's like climate change. We have to do something about it. And I am. You know what? I'm talking to you about why you need to jump in. Sorry, the last thing you, you, you kind of asked this, but journalists, news organizations are not powerful enough to do this on our own. And in 2021, the Nobel price was given to journalists. But in 2022, it was given to civil society. So anyone watching, I come to you, you know, this is, it's not out there. The war in Ukraine seems like it's far away from you. Um, You could say, you know, we're okay here in Canada. You're not okay. Um, The war is here, in your phone, in your pocket. In the Nobel lecture, I talked about an individual battle for integrity an individual battle for facts. We must win this, each of us. And that mesh is how we win the war. You do put a provocative question out there though, which is what, what are you prepared to do and how much are you prepared to do to safeguard your democracy? That is, that is a really tough question. I know there are people all over the world who are prepared to give their lives for it. I think most people aren't. Most people just wanna get through the day, right? How do we answer that question? This is why I'm jumping up and down, kind of, right? Like, mm-hmm. please, please, please understand this moment is different. Um, there are surveys that say you don't want to watch the news at all because coming out of COVID, it's you want good news. You know, this is the world we live in. Mm-hmm. And this moment, if you do not jump in and help, we could lose everything. I've covered Southeast Asia, and I've been both in the Philippines after 1986, the fall of Marcos, almost 21 years, and then in 1998, the fall of Suharto after almost 32 years in power. There is a nostalgia for strongman rule in my country. India has the same. And you want someone else to make those decisions for you, these populist leaders. But understand that democracy is difficult. And this is now calling for your help. If you want the populist, ask the questions. You will ask the questions. How will they solve these problems? Look at it, because if we don't jump in, we we look at the end of democracy. And, you know, between now and 2024, there will be 90, 9-0 elections globally. And 2024 is a tipping point. It will either, three major elections will push us off the cliff, democracy will die, or it'll crumble slowly. The death by a thousand cuts continues. When will Canada have its elections? We don't know that yet. It's a minority parliament. Who knows? Um, Can we say, let's hope the pendulum starts swinging back towards democracy? Let's hope for that, right? Not just hope. Please work work for for it. Gotcha.
How to Stand Up to a Dictator, The Fight for Our Future is Maria Ressa's latest, and we recommend it wholeheartedly. Thank you so much for coming into TVO tonight and sharing your time with us. It's a great honor to have you here. Thank you for having me. The Agenda with Steve Pakin is made possible through generous philanthropic contributions from viewers like you. Thank you for supporting TVO's journalism.